Good morning. Well, it's Mother's Day. I've been invited to, to speak this morning. So we're going to talk about mothers in the Bible. The, um, and thinking about what I was going to cover this morning, a lot of um, uh, the, the impression our mothers make on us has become more profound on me the older I've gotten. Uh, my mother's influence on me. So rather than talk about my mother for the next 45 minutes, uh, I'm going to talk about mothers in the Bible. And what I'd like to glean from it uh, is their story. Just to remind you of their story, they were mothers, but they left a legacy with their kids. And uh, in general, I'll have good mothers. There are a lot of bad mothers in the Bible as well. Example is Herodias, the mother of Salome, the, the girl who danced uh, to gain John the Baptist's head. There was a wicked mother. I don't plan to talk about her. But mothers go both ways. And here we are at the, uh, t this morning. I want to hear more what the word of God says in regard of, regard, regards to God's promises and how that influences us as individuals. Can we take those promises and act on them? Can we trust in Christ as our savior and in a walk that's pleasing to him? That's our goal. And so I've picked some mothers of the Bible who I think are, will be a blessing to each of us as we review their lives and the influence they may have had on their children. So I'll go through five, if time permitting six, but in particular five mothers. And at the end of each one, present what I think is the legacy they left their kids. And by the time we're finished, I'll ask you, what legacy did your mother leave you? And what legacy are you leaving your kids? It's a poem that I thought was so, I thought was so beautiful on the impression that a mother makes on her kids. It was written by a mother. It's called A Mother's Influence. And she's going to talk about clay. She's working with clay, and she can mold something. And she comes back a couple weeks later, and the clay is all stiff. It can't be changed anymore. Then she refers to her child, who when it's a little baby, a little kid, she can influence it. But when it gets old, she can't. But there is an impression there left from when he was a kid. Thank you, Robert. I took a piece of plastic clay and idly fashioned it one day. And as my fingers pressed it still, it moved and yielded at my will. I came again when days were past. The form I gave it, still it bore. And as my fingers pressed it still, I could change that form no more. I took a piece of living clay her child, and gently formed it day by day, and molded it with my power and art, a young child's soft and yielding heart. I came again when days were gone. It was a man I looked upon. He still that early impress bore, and I could change it nevermore. 
you have a profound influence on our children. So we're talking about mothers in the Bible. Just some history. Um, Mother's Day was uh, founded in the United States by Anna Jarvis. Different countries have different Mother's Day days. In our country, it's Anna Jarvis. And she loved her mother. She was, Anna Jarvis was single and greatly influenced by her mother. So when her mother passed away in 1905, she started a campaign to make Mother's Day a national holiday. One day a year that we would honor our individual mothers. It wasn't intended to be motherhood in general. It was our own mothers. How did they influence? Can we honor them? And that takes us to the word of God. Ephesians 6 verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Sometimes I reverse that, honor your mother and your father. But this is what the scripture says. And there are times, at least in my life, as I've gotten older, uh, some people are a little more difficult, parents are a little more difficult to deal with than others. But my mother always assured me that she loved me and, and, and demonstrated that. But it was hard to please her. I couldn't make her happy in certain situations. Uh, but... What I could do is I could honor her. And that's what the scripture asks. Sometimes we can't make please them, but we can honor them. And that's the intention of Mother's Day, to honor our mothers. Tell them we love them. And appreciate what they have sacrificed for us. So we're going to be talking in particular first about, well, the legacies of some Bible mothers and what legacy did your mother leave you? What legacy will you leave your children? That's the point of the message. So the first lady we'll talk about is Hannah. And if we, you would turn with me to Samuel chapter 1. Samuel verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 27 in particular. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. The background for this is, is kind of sad, but it shows you the heart of Hannah. That is, she had a husband named Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives, Pen, 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 Penina and Hannah. Penina had lots of kids. Hannah had none. She was childless, and she desperately wanted a child. <coughs> she prays before the Lord. They go, uh, this is kind of interesting here. There's a verse, uh, Elkanah, Elkanah sees that she's very sad and in great distress. So in verse 8, if you have your Bible open, Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why, are you, why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Well, you might say, well, boy, he was pretty insensitive. His wife wanted a child, and he said, well, I'm, good. I'm as good as ten sons to you. That's, you know, I value you. 
and uh, you should value me. But she keeps praying to the Lord. And in fact, we go down to verse 10. They go to Shiloh, that's where the tabernacle was in those days, and says, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and do not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And at the time, Eli the priest was watching her, and she, he accuses her of being drunk. And she, you know, she pours out her heart to him. Um, she's in despair. She makes a vow to the Lord, a promise. And the promise is interesting because Elkanah is of the uh, tribe of Levi. And a Levite in that tribe had to serve the Lord from the age of 30 to 50. That was a given. But she promises the Lord that she'll give this, a child, the son that she might have to him for his whole life. So from childhood on, he's for the Lord. He's given to the Lord. So he'll serve the Lord in the temple or in whatever capacity uh, is needed. But he'll be to the Lord. And as a result, she has this child. And his name is Samuel, given to her by the Lord. And her legacy is this. She takes her bitter and anguished feelings to God honestly in prayer. She keeps her tongue. I thought that was pretty significant. I mean, when, when Elkanah says, well, I'm as good as 10 cents to you, she could have just come out with a, you know, something really sharp. Can't you see I want a child? That's, that's the burden of my heart. And you're not satisfying me by saying these words. Um, Eli thinks she's drunk, and she could have lashed out at him, but she doesn't. She holds her tongue. Where does she take her, her, her pleas? To the Lord, to the person who can answer her prayers. And that's so often what a mother has to do. She has a great need. And, and you can complain on one side and uh, irritate everybody around you and take down everybody around you, but it's to the Lord Hannah took her pleas. It's true she was in anguish and in great pain and sorrow, but she took her prayers to the Lord and she didn't lash out at everybody around her. At the end, she, she does keep her promises. She uh, waits until she's weaned, or Samuel's weaned, and takes him the, the following year then to the temple. He's a little child, maybe three, four years old, and leaves him there. She kept her promise. And after she leaves Samuel, uh, if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, we won't do that this morning, but you can do it on your leisure. But she sings a song of praise to the Lord. And she basically turns Samuel over to the Lord, um, which I think is difficult for a mother to do, especially a mother who is her firstborn child. She turns him over to the Lord, and she goes back home and he stays in the temple by himself with Eli and, and Eli's family. My dad had a situation like that. Uh, his dad died in a train accident, so I never knew my grandfather. But when he was nine, my grandmother sent him to a boys' 
uh, a boys school called Girard College in Philadelphia for orphaned boys. It was during the Depression, and they lived in Pittsburgh. She said it on the train to uh, back and forth to, Pitt, to Philadelphia. And Dad said, that was so hard on my mother to say goodbye. But that's what Hannah is doing here. She's keeping her promise. And it's wonderful we have to have a mother who keeps her promise. So, I, so if I were Samuel, I'd say, the legacy my mother left me was that she, she was a woman of prayer. And at the end, she was a thankful woman. She keeps her promises. And that's the marks that she made on Samuel. So let's look at another lady. A lady named Eunice. You usually hear Eunice's name with Lois. It was Timothy's mother and grandmother. Eunice was, was Timothy's mother. Lois is his grandmother. And she's a teaching mother. She raises a strong uh, a son of strong, genuine faith. Because we read in 2 Timothy, in Paul's letter to, to uh, Timothy, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Then if you go to the same book, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter, verse 15, you read this. From childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Mothers and grandmothers have a unique opportunity to teach the Bible in the home. And here in the chapel, we have a lot of teaching opportunities for children, where mothers and grandmothers and fathers and grandfathers can get involved in teaching the Bible to children. Uh, it's, it's a purpose, it is the purpose of Sunday school, and the purpose of Awana, the purpose of daily vacation Bible school or DVBS. Impress on the heart of a child the Holy Scriptures, and based on that, they're able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. A scripture makes you wise for salvation. That's an interesting phrase in the middle of this, these verses. In Romans 10 and 17, we read, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When I was in, uh, in college, I used to read the Bible, you know, and lay it down and go to sleep, uh, but I wasn't saved. I knew it was something important in this book, but it just wouldn't sink in. I needed, I needed an example of a real Christian, for one thing, and I needed some interpretation of some scripture for the other, but the point was, in the Bible was not only the story of the Lord Jesus Christ, but his purpose in coming to save us from our sins by giving up his life at the cross. He died for our sins. And the Holy Spirit took that and brought me to the point, am I willing to accept him as my savior? And when I came to that point, praise God, I made the right decision. Yes, I want him as my savior. So I trusted him as my personal savior. But I couldn't do that without the Bible. I, and I don't know how missionaries do it in tribes that they're, they're missionaries in without the word of God. 
we had, you know, when Dorothy was here last week, she was talking about how she has the Bible in all these different languages that the natives can understand. Maybe they can't read, but they have to preach what? What are they going to preach? How to be a good person? They're going to preach what the Bible says and preach about the Lord Jesus Christ. But how difficult that must be for some of the concepts in the Word of God to get across to a, a native, a, tri a tribal person. So let's talk about teaching for a minute. If, uh, Patsy Claremont says, she's an author and a speaker to ladies. Normal is just a setting on your clothes dryer. We are all different. She's speaking to mothers, okay? We're all women, we're all different. And she shares that as women, we may struggle, fail, start over, and celebrate. But we are mothers who can love unlike any other person. So in doing what you're doing and trying to teach your kid, you can certainly be creative and do teach in your own way. But what comes across to the kid is not only the teaching, but your love. And that's so important to teach with love. And a woman can do that better than a man, I think, sometimes. We're told in, uh, in the God's word, Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Psalm 127 and 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. I don't know if all the mothers with tiny little kids would agree with that, but the Bible says that. And as they grow up, it's true. <laughs> so what are Eunice's and Lo Eunice and Lois's legacy? I think one is you need to, uh, typo here, you need to teach the word of God in your own unique way. I don't know how Eunice and Lois taught God's word. We're not told how they taught God's word. But I would think today, uh, I know my, my, my wife's father uh, was taken to church twice on Sunday to two different churches, a Brethren church and a Baptist church. But the grandmother was determined that he would hear the word of God. But it could be Sunday school each week. That was my, my, my situation. I'd go to the nearest Protestant church and be a part of the Sunday school. So that was, my, that was the way I was raised. DVBS, Awana, TNT, brigades. Get your kids involved in those things where they're learning the word of God. With some good examples, uh, men and women uh, who love the Lord and want to, in their love, get the message across by their example. But you do it in your own unique way. Live out your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are, these are mine. This is, this is what I concluded. If I was Timothy, these are things I would say about my mother on Mother's Day. Uh, lead a child to trusting faith in Jesus is the most important thing you can do as a mother or grandfather. And Timothy would say amen to that. I think that's what he would say. It changed my life. When Paul came through Lystra uh, and wanted help from another uh, younger brother, I was ready. I had been prepared for my parents to serve the Lord with my life. That's the way Samuel felt. I was, grew up in the temple. I was ready to serve the Lord with my life. The preparation that the mother gave and the grandmother gave is a wonderful thing. 
The next person is Mary. Uh, this is Mary, a lot of Marys. We'll talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, a little bit later. This is Mary, a ministering mother. She's mentioned several times. Uh, she's at the cross. And she's with a group of women, the Bible says, who were always involved in ministering to the disciples as Jesus carried on his itinerant ministry. She was the mother of James the Less and Joseph. In the picture, you see a bunch of women together carrying things. So they probably provided the food and prepared the food, whatever was needed to support the Lord in his ministry. But another thing that's interesting is she was not only at the cross. The first verse is the cross. There were also women looking on from afar who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee. There's people like Mary Magdalene, uh, the other Marys. Um, Mark 16 and 1 says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, that's the lady we're talking about, and Salome brought spices that they might anoint him. As it turns out, Mary, the mother of James the Less, was with Mary Magdalene the morning of resurrection. She was one of the first ones to see the risen Lord. So she was what? Busy for the Lord. Busy every minute, it seems, if you're in that field of service. So she's one of many, and she gives actively of her time and energies to serve him in so many ways. You can picture, picture a group of people, families, men, women, following the Lord Jesus all through Galilee, all over the place, right? And they need to, where's the restroom? Okay, somebody has to point the restroom out to them. Somebody has to check it out. Uh, what's for dinner? I don't have any food. I don't have any money. I don't have any clothes. So one thing after another is coming up, and these ladies provided that support. But she, and in that support, you see, she was involved with other women who loved the Lord as well. That is so encouraging, to be a woman who wants to serve the Lord and be with other women who also want to serve the Lord. She witnessed his life and death, came to aid in his burial, one of the first witnesses of his resurrection. And again, one of a group of women who ministered to the needs of Jesus and the disciples. Busy for the Lord. So I, one um, Bible teacher was pointing out things that women can do if they want to serve the Lord. And you're probably familiar with this, so it might be just a review for you. But I thought it was an interesting list. It takes, goes on for two slides here. Keep growing in Christ and asking him daily, Lord, what would you have me do today? And then do it. And I do that myself. But ladies, if you have the same heart for ministry, that's a question you should be asking yourself. What can I do for the Lord today? And then do it. Two, keep living for him in your community and workplace. Three, grow first and foremost in Christ as a godly wife, mom, employee, daughter, friend, whatever people you can associate with, uh, depending on your job situation, your uh, home situation. And here's the last four here. Watch for God's open doors in the service. 
Serve faithfully in your local church, watching for ministry, growth, and opportunity. I know I just heard a call for DVBS recently. Can you help in DVBS? If you're available, you know, you need to talk to Margie or uh, uh, Michelle or Jeff. Uh, they could use some help this, this, uh, within the next month with DVBS. Whenever and wherever he calls, say yes, but be very sure he has called you and assigned the ministry to you. And be patient. God is at work, even if we don't always see it. That was from a website called Lifeway Women. And it's true. I, these are principles that I have applied to my own self and find them very useful. But the, but the first one was really good, right? Uh, Lord, what would you have me do today? And then do it. You're sitting there, oh, I don't know what to do. I have nothing to do. I'm just sitting here. I think I'll just watch the television. There might be something you can do. So Mary's legacy. This is either James to the less or Joseph, who I know nothing about. Uh, say, my mom loved to serve. She was always busy for the Lord, doing something to support the Christians. And her, her life verse seemed to be Acts 9 and 6. Lord, what do you want me to do? And last thing, Mary enjoys being with other women who follow Christ and want to serve him. And I'm sure these two men at this point, James the Less and Joseph, uh, they, wherever the women were, that's where they would find their mother. She was with the Lord, with the women serving the Lord. That's Mary. Now another, well, that's, that's the key verse. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she's a devoted mother. Where do you begin with Mary, the mother of Jesus? Well, uh, I thought by saying to myself, if I was Jesus, what would I say about my mother? That's where I started to start thinking about what's the relationship, father or the mother and the son here? Well, if I was Jesus, I'd say, well, my mother was really quiet. And she was really spiritual. I know she loved me. She follows me all around. She was at my funeral, or my, my crucifixion. And she was told from my birth that I'd have a wonderful, uh, a wonderful purpose in life. I'd be the Messiah. Hmm. Mary at his birth. And the shepherds came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying that was told them concerning this child. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. That's interesting. Mothers, don't you ponder the uniqueness of your own kid? Are you excited when they do something that's funny? Something different? You are. And she's with Jesus, he's, he's, he's 12. And they've gone to the temple, and they've come home in a big crowd, and finally discover after a couple of days he's not there. So they go back, and he's there arguing and talking with the, with the priests in the tabernacle. So they, 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 they kind of, why, why did you not come home with us? He's only 12. 
And Jesus says, why do you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? Then he went down with them and became to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Mothers wonder at their children and treasure their specialness. She pondered what, you know, my son, what's happening here, you know? Uh, he's amazing. I asked him to make wine at a wedding, and he makes wine. Okay, he, he listens to me anyway, right? He's obedient. He's at the, she's at the cross. Now they're stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Mothers are loyal to their children, and even when their children bring shame or sorrow upon them, she's not going to abandon her own son. And that's characteristic of women, of mothers. After the cross, the disciples, all of one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Acts 1 and 14. Mothers cherish their children and continually pray for them. So Mary's legacy, she rejoices in God her Savior. We find that at the very beginning when she's chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. She rejoices in God her Savior. She has a relationship with God. And for that, her, yeah, thank her mother and her family for leading her to know the scriptures and know God's purposes for her life. She's quiet. This is the first thing I said about Mary. She's quiet. You don't hear her talking and she's just working and watching her son and, and loving him and amazed by what he's doing. And she's humble. We read in Luke 149, he who is mighty has done great things for me. So I guess her, her, her words are at the very beginning, but from then on, isn't it Simeon in the temple said a sword will pierce your own soul as well. So all the joy she had in being the mother of the Messiah, she might have had a for, foreseen what was going to happen to him. Because in all of his teaching, he's saying he's going to go to Jerusalem and die. You know, they're, going to, they're going to kill him. And she must have seen this and, and pondered what Simeon said and then what is happening day after day in the, in the 33 years of his life, especially when he starts his ministry at age 30, what's happening day after day. So at the beginning, there's a lot of joy. You wonder how she felt at the end. You ever thought about that? How did Mary feel standing at the cross? She'd heard all the teaching and she heard all the prophesying concerning him as his conception. Our son was dying for her sins, and she trusted him as her personal savior. He who has, is mighty has done great things for me. Here's a mother. Uh, we'll have two more, then we're finished. A mother of... Mother 
a, a Syrophoenician mother. She's a Gentile. That's what it's telling us. She's a Gentile. And she comes to Jesus. He's preaching in her area. And she comes and uh, she has a daughter home in bed with an unclean spirit, a demon-possessed, some mental problem. And where can she go? She hears about Jesus. And she comes and has a, a very interesting discussion with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, first in Matthew, she says, Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. I always thought that was kind of a nasty thing to say. But he's telling her, basically, I've come primarily for the, the Jews, the children of Israel. And she's a Gentile. Is that going to deter her? She says this, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. In the anguish of her heart, where else is she going to turn? Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. What's her legacy? She was persistent in pleading with Jesus on behalf of her daughter. And sometimes that's what mothers have to do and fathers have to do about their kids. They have to be persistent in pleading with Jesus. You have a child. I often think of Samson's parents. Uh, he was a Nazarite. He was dedicated to the Lord. And he grows up and strong, you know, and, and uh, they think, oh, we've got to find strong spiritual son. So he sees a a girl from another uh, tribe that's not Israelite, and she pleases me. And she goes after him, and his whole life is, is, starts on this detour, not what they had planned, but he's a grown man now, so what can they say? They can pray for him, and at the very end of his life, he's useful to the Lord. And sometimes that's what we're given. And another thing, this lady, this Syrophoenician lady, uh, her legacy is her faith, was in the right person. Uh, there could, she could have, uh, well, today, I mean, uh, so many new age movements and all this help yourself, uh, when the answer to our problem is a personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're pleading on behalf of someone else to go somewhere else, uh, other than the Lord himself is a gigantic mistake. And, you know, what can you, what can you say? We know where to go. We know to go to him. And this woman knew to go to him. One more. Mrs. Zebedee. Uh, we're not told her name, except she's Zebedee's wife. So I'm going to properly address her as Mrs. Zebedee. Uh, she's an ambitious mother. Now, not all the mothers are would come across as really good in, in, the, in what I'm presenting this morning. And she's the ex exception here. And she's the mother of James and John. And, you know, she's the one that came to Jesus and, and uh, kneeled down. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, 
grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. And she said this within the hearing of the other disciples. In other words, my two sons are better than those guys. Okay? You have 12. Two are the best. The other 10, eh, okay. Uh, so you can imagine how they felt. But she was ambitious for her, her sons. Well, it's, it's okay to be ambitious for your kids. Uh, you know, want them to get ahead and uh, serve the Lord. But she kind of overdid it in this. He says, Jesus says to her, he's quite honest with her, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism I'll be baptized with. Oh, okay. Sounds pretty good, right? Willing and able. What Jesus knew that they didn't know that James would be the first apostle to die, killed by Herod Agrippa with a sword in the book of Acts. John, tradition says that he died a natural death at the end, perhaps in Ephesus, but he spent time with the Isle of Patmos and there are other traditional stories involved with his life. But little did they know. So the point is, we may have a plan for our children, but God might have other plans. She's overly ambitious. You want your child to do what the Lord's will is for him or her. What is the Lord's will? And <clears throat> I thank my mother for that. She never pushed me into anything that I was not suitable for. It would encourage if I said, I'd like to do this. Well, go ahead, then. You can do that. But I'm thankful for my mother. That's what Jesus knew. We may have a plan for our children, but God may have other plans. So Mrs. Zebedee's legacy is this. Well, she followed Jesus everywhere with her sons. Her sons would say, yeah, she followed us everywhere. She was one of the women who was a helper. God bless her. And she was very ambitious for us. And it was kind of hard to get back in the spirit of servanthood after she went and pleaded with Jesus to make us the two most important in his kingdom. Uh, but they must have reconciled that somehow with the other disciples. Uh, Jesus is always teaching, teaching his disciples, you know, wash each other's feet. Take the servant's place in your relationship. So they kind of had to overcome what her mother had said and come across as servants and be servants to gain the other, gain, regain the fellowship that they had with the other ten apostles. But Mrs. Zebedee's legacy is, the last one is, she didn't mind insulting the other disciples along the way. Okay, not so good. God bless her. But we do want to look out for our kids and their futures. And uh, if we can steer them along God's will, that's great. So the last thing we'll leave you with is this. What legacy did your mother leave you? Today is Mother's Day. I've shared a few things that I'm grateful to my mother about. And there's more that you can ponder in your heart if your mother has gone home, uh, has passed away. Uh, but if your mother is alive, you ought to tell her what you're grateful for, your relationship with your mother. The last thing is, what legacy will you leave 
with your children. That's something we can all think about. So you're passing on a key. What are you passing on? The, girl, the children are supposed to come in at noon and pass out flowers to the, to the mothers, all ladies actually. And uh, I'll close in prayer and I've invited, uh, asked, actually asked Andrew if he would lead a hymn or two until they make their way over here uh, since we seem to be just a little bit early. So let's close in prayer. Our Father in God, we thank you this morning for this time to study your word to learn about the legacy that mothers can leave and mothers do leave. Father, they're all unique and we thank you for individual mothers and what they have given us. We pray, Father, that in each of our hearts we'd seek to honor the Lord in the legacy we leave with our kids. Are there any here this morning who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and their Lord, that you'd put that conviction in their heart now and lead them to him, to the cross, and to see what he has done for them. Give us wisdom in our dealings with our kids. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.